We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. We're going to look at the life of Jehoshaphat. Now, how many of you here, just out of curiosity, do you know who was the best king in Judah? Anybody know? Any guesses out there? Um, Some will say David, uh, and there's a good case for that. But you want to know what most uh, teachers will say who was the best king of Judah? They'll say it was Josiah. Josiah. That's what they'll say. That's why Betty and Craig, they named their little boy Josiah. And that's why he has an awesome future, right? Um, and, uh, and the worst king of Israel, do anybody know who that was? The northern kingdom? That, that's Ahab. That's the one we're going to be studying about tonight. It's kind of cool to know those things. Well, why wasn't it Jehoshaphat? Why wasn't it this guy that we're going to read about tonight? He was a, an awesome guy. But like I was sharing earlier, he wasn't like all that he could be. And so thank God for his grace, man. You know, we're saved by the blood of Jesus. We've given our life to Christ and, uh, and we are washed and we are forgiven. And are you guys, do you look forward to heaven? I mean, it's going to be awesome one day. We go to heaven not by our own works, but by his work and the finished work on the cross. But, you know, that should not, I, I pray it, it wouldn't dampen a desire to be everything that you're called to be, man. To be that man of God, that woman of God, not just good, not just better, but the best. And so we're going to learn from Jehoshaphat today some good things and then one bad thing, I guess, in one sense that kind of messed it all up. Let's look first of all at the good thing. It says in Second Chronicles 17, Then Jehoshaphat, his son, speaking of the son of Asa, reigned in his place and strengthened himself against Israel. And he placed troops in all the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat, and he had riches and honor and abundance, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. It's kind of cool going through the Bible, because in one sense it's like a journey with people. You know, one thing I've learned in life is that when you walk with people, part of them kind of rubs off on you. And that's a good thing. You know, that's one of the cool things even about going on a missions trip is you kind of get tight and you get to know people and there's there's no way. They just leave a mark on you. You know, the people that you serve with or even the kids that we were able to go see. You know, just this life. That's how life is. That's how, in one sense, the the Lord writes the, the word. He kind of wants us to go through life with these guys, Jehoshaphat. They're written, the Bible says, for our own admonition. They're examples to us, uh, the Bible says. And so we look at this guy, Jehoshaphat, and, uh, and he's, a, he's, a good, he's a good king. Uh, we see it right here. He, he does some good things, first of all, militarily. 
It says in verse 1, he strengthened himself against Israel. And so remember, Israel's a northern kingdom, Judah's a southern kingdom. And what does he do? He knows that right now is a good time, it's a peaceful time. I'm going to strengthen myself because I know the war is coming. And you guys know the war is coming, right? I mean, some of you here, you're in the middle of it already. I mean, I, you know, you're just, there's a battle going on. Some of you here, you're like, hey, life is pretty good right now. Well, get ready because <laughs> you know the battle's coming. When you have those peaceful times, use those peaceful times to strengthen yourself. And this is a political maneuver right here. I mean, he places troops, it says in verse 2, and all the fortified cities of Judah. And then he sets uh, garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had taken. And so these are like stations where there would be soldiers, and he's doing some good things as a king. Now, just as a quick side note, one thing I noticed about the Lord, man, is that when you're right with him, you're going to be an effective leader. You're going to be a good worker. You're going to, it just spills over into every other area of your life, a good dad, a good mom, a good husband, a good wife. It all springs forth from your relationship with God. Now, this is a theocracy. Um, this Judah was governed by God slash monarchy where they had a king, right? And so, you know, my encouragement to you is, you know, to be a good leader, you know, to be right in, in your job and in your roles and responsibilities as a man and a woman. You know, we see that there in verse 1 and 2. You got you to gotta be right spiritually, you got to be right spiritually. That's what happened in verse 3. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he walked in the former ways of his father David. What does that mean? In the former ways of his father David. Well, what that literally says is that in the early days of David. Because the latter days of David, he ended up being a murderer. He ended up being an adulterer. You know, when, when he fell into sin... God forgave him, but his life was never the same. And so here, uh, when he mentions how Jehoshaphat was walking like David, he talks about the former days of David, the early days of his life. Man, I wish that there was more information about the life of David. You know, I wish that we could just, who knows, maybe in heaven, do you guys think there'll be videos, video archives in heaven? I'm just curious, man. I wonder what it would... David there watching over the sheep. Wouldn't you have loved to see when he killed a bear, you know, or a lion to protect the sheep? That must have been a beautiful time. Or when he's there just sitting under the stars. You know, Lord, Lord, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you visit him? I mean, look at the stars. I mean, he's out there, you know, taking care of the sheep and he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord so much. You know, and that's why even in the book of Revelation, it, it says that, you know, a lot of times what happens to people is they need to return to their first love. You know, first love with the Lord, that, that time, I mean, maybe for you, is so exciting, you know, is so new, is so fresh, it should never change. You see, the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Why? Because he walked in the former ways of his father David. A couple of things he didn't do. He didn't seek the Baals. That's uh, uh, the idols uh, that were popular in Israel and permeating their way into Judah. 
And it says on the end of verse 4 that he didn't act according to the, the ways of Israel. And that was the trend. You know, that was the trend. And a lot of times politicians or leaders, people, they will just follow the world. You know, they'll follow the ways of the world. And we're living now in some times where, um, what's that word? A pluralism is a huge thing, huh? It really is. You know, we went to Singapore and we were there for, for a day. And uh, Singapore is a really wealthy nation there in Asia. I think it's like the, the Switzerland of Asia. It is wealthy. It's nice. What a contrast, spending time in the villages of Cambodia and, uh, and then going to Singapore. But one of the things about Singapore that just, just totally breaks your heart is, is it's, like it's a melting pot. You'll see just all the nationalities there. And, and not only that, you'll see all the religions there. And so I was tripping out. You know, I was there, and, and I think, Gabe, did you go into that temple with me? We went into this Buddhist temple, and he, he started, no, I'm just joking, he didn't do anything, but yeah. <laughs> it was just so weird to see the idols that were there, these gold idols. And I don't know if they were real gold, but they looked like it. You know, the one there and the one on the outside and the people offering the incense and the things that they were doing. And then, you know, it's just like a, a couple of doors down. You have the, the Hindu temple. And, uh, you know, it was just crazy, the, the idolatry that, that you see there. But that's, that, you guys know that's happening to this nation now. That's going to happen to this nation. And, and that's the, that's the movement. But, but I guess for us, the question is, are we going to stay pure? Are we going to stay like on target? Because you know? sometimes even the church, they accept these things and they say, well, yeah, there's many roads to God, but that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God said. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, John 14, 6, you guys all know it, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So I tried sharing with these people when they're coming out, but they didn't want to talk to me. And I was like, hey, what are you guys doing in there? And the ladies all were praying to the goddess uh, Masas. I think her name was Masas. And I said, well, does this, like, that you know, help you? Is there a special answer to prayer? She's all, yes. I'm all, well, tell me about it. She's all, no, go inside. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, my heart just ached. But what we see about Jehoshaphat is that he had that, that, that love relationship like his father David did. He didn't seek the Baals or follow the ways of Israel, you know, like the trends of the day. Notice there in verse 4, he sought the God of his father and, and he walked in his commandments, you know? I mean, to walk is your, your daily moral journey. It's not just what you do on Sundays or on Thursdays. It's what you do every day. Every day and everywhere is a sanctuary in the presence of God. And so this guy had a walk that was right. He loved the Lord. Look at even at verse 6. And his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. I mean, this guy was in love with God. And the things of God were not like a, a okay, I guess I'll do it. You know, as a burden. And he didn't do it grudgingly. He was like, man, I love this. I love the ways of the Lord. I mean, this guy was just right on, right? And so, when you have that heart, let me ask you a question. Will God bless your life? He will. 
You know, I'm not saying necessarily you're going to be healed of your infirmity. I mean, because sometimes we need that to keep us humble, like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12. And, and I'm not saying you're going to necessarily be wealthy and you're going to have all the money that you want. Because the Bible does say that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But, but you might not be healthy, wealthy, and, and prosperous in the world's eyes. But when you are like this, God will bless your life. He will, you guys. And that's exactly what happened to Jehoshaphat. Um, it says there in verse 5, Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat. And he had riches and honor and abundance. Now he got rich, right? And he got famous. But, but it wasn't really just that. What we see right here is the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. And right there, that, that talks about, you know, that's very rare. In those days, there was a constant threat, you know, and things were very fragile when it comes to the kings. But man, because of the way that he sought the Lord, God just blessed his life. And, and I just pray you guys would know that that's what God will do to you. Now, sometimes I even have to pinch myself. I'm like, Lord, I can't believe how, how, how blessed I am. You know, but, but it's true, man. We are a people that God wants to bless, right? We read that in Psalm uh, chapter 1. Um, and so notice what he does next in verse 7. It says, Also in the third year of his reign, he sent his leaders, uh, Ben, Hale, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nethanel, and Micaiah, notice, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites, Shemaiah, Nethaniah, Zebediah, Asahel, Shemiramath, Jehonathan, Adonijah, Tobijah, and Todadabanijah, whatever the, <laughs> the Levites. I, and with them Elishama and Jehoram the priests. Notice, so they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. Isn't that cool? I mean, this guy was so right on, man. Personally, loved the Lord. He knew what the Bible taught and he walked in it. You can't walk in the commandments of God if you don't know what they are. And that's why it's so important that you're in the Word. You're in the Word. But then... As a, as a leader especially, you want to make sure that the people know the Bible as well. Uh, Samuel did the same thing. When he was uh, there, he started the School of the Prophets, and he would do a circuit teaching, and he went throughout the whole nation teaching the people the Word of God. And this is exactly what we find in, in, in Judah. This is what happened as a result of Jehoshaphat's love for the Lord. If you go back to chapter uh, 15, verse 3, you see that this was rare. Again, this is the Lord moving uh, under the leadership of his father Asa. But it says right there in chapter 15, verse 3, For a long time Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without law. How important it is, man, to study the Bible. You guys know how long it takes to read the whole Bible? Anybody know? 72 hours. Not long. Not long, so we should just stay up three days straight and, and read the whole thing, huh? A lot of people, they never read the whole Bible. 
And yet I always tell you guys that in one sense, tongue-in-cheek, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. I want to encourage you guys to read your word. And then I want to encourage you to do this. Teach your wife. Teach her the Bible. If you're married, teach your children the Bible. Teach them the Bible. I mean, it's cool, you know, to teach them other things and to do other things. And, you know, I think for me as a dad, you know, one of the things that, that uh, I, I think about is spending time with my kids. And uh, maybe, you know, I like to go to the movies, to be honest with you. If it's, a, if it's a fairly clean movie, I like to go and just hang out with them and, you know, go to eat. And my son wants to play frisbee golf uh, tomorrow and stuff like that. And all that's really, I think it, it is important, huh, to have times like that with your children. But how about just teaching them the Bible? You think that's important? I think it is. I think it is. And I think it would be cool if we had a desire to get the word out. You know, as much as we can, as far as we can. You know, one of the things that someone told me that really blessed me the other day, and I don't know if it's true or not. Some of you may say, nah, but... They said one of the things about Calvary Chapel Almani, they said like some churches, they kind of emphasize certain things, but... This is a teaching ministry. You know, on whatever Bible study you go to, whatever function you go to, and I think of like all the guys that we're so blessed to have, like Henry and Mark and, and Rich and Richard and Teacher Jesse and Jerry, and I do just go on and on with all these guys. One thing I know about them is that they're just teaching the Bible. Just teaching the Bible. And, and it might not be flamboyant, and it, it might not be whatever as funny or produce results as quickly but God will bless the church that just teaches the word, right? And that's all, that's all we're, we're trying to do. You know, when we're teaching the Bible, God will be glorified. And here we have all these guys going out and teaching in the cities of Judah the word of God. And so, what a great example for us. Jehoshaphat loved God. He sought God. He walked with God. And he made sure that the people knew the word of God, you know. I mean, I, I kind of feel a little ashamed, but a little bit excited that I'm, I think we're, I forgot, Shelly texted me not too long ago how many chapters away we are from reading the whole Bible together as a family. And I, and I was telling her, you know, man, I think that would be one of my, um, I don't know, I, one of my most happiest thoughts of my life, uh, above so many other things that you would think are successful, is that I, I got to read the whole Bible with my family. So I encourage you guys, you know, go for it. How long has it taken us, Shelly? 17 years? Something like that. It's all right. Just plug away, man. The snail made it to the ark eventually, right? <laughs> You know, one of the other things about this as cool is that they're going out and they're teaching the word because not everybody can go to Jerusalem. Not everybody can go to Jerusalem. You know, Mary mentioned something on Sunday about the cell groups in Cambodia and how not all of them can go to church. I mean, they'll still travel a long time, but, you know, they'll travel a ways to get to the place where they're meeting. And it's kind of cool. I like that. I like the concept about going out and just, just meeting the people, right? And again, just teaching the word. 
And so notice what happens as a result of this. It says, And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. Also, some of the Philistines, this is pretty amazing, brought Jehoshaphat presents and silver as tribute. And the Arabians brought him flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat became increasingly powerful and he built fortresses and storage cities in, in Judah. He had much property in the cities of Judah and the men of war, mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem. And these are their numbers according to their father's houses uh, of Judah, the captains of thousands, Adna, the captain, and with him 300,000 mighty men of valor. And next to him was Johanan, the captain, and with him 280,000. Next to him was Amasiah, the son of Zikri, who willingly offered himself, I love this, to the Lord. And with him 200,000 mighty men of valor, of Benjamin, Eliada, a mighty man of valor. And with him 200,000 men armed with bow and shield. And next to him was Jehazabad, and with him 180,000 prepared for war. These served the king besides those the king put in the fortified cities throughout all Judah. I mean, this guy, you guys, was so blessed. You want to know who he reminds me of? Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, I mean, that guy was so blessed you guys don't even want to know how rich he was man but it wasn't because uh he was taking it to himself he had a very modest house um uh he lived simple lives he even told the pastors when they started getting into the beamers and all that he said hey guys go back to the toyotas i mean he was real real modest uh, man but the lord just blessed him you know buildings and castles and schools and properties and ministries and you know, and it was all because of his simple walk with the Lord. I mean, one time a guy even came to him and offered him a million dollars. Now, if someone offered me a million dollars, I'd probably take it, you know. But you know what he said? He said, let me pray about it. And, and then he went back to the guy. I think it was a million. Maybe it was 11 million. I'm not sure. But he said no. God blessed him. God blessed him. And God will bless you if you're right on. If you just seek the Lord, you know, if you walk with God and seek God and, and you're, you know, you're longing to delight yourself in the, in the ways of God and, and not, nothing complicated, just in love. And he just got so blessed. All these things that the, the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land, it says in verse 10. And, and it's funny because it doesn't say that when he's talking about all the soldiers he set up in the fortified cities in verse 1 and 2. It says that after he sought the Lord. It was the fear of the Lord that fell on those nations. It wasn't the fear of men. God protected them because he sought the Lord. God provided for them because he sought the Lord. And it's a good lesson, I think, for us as, as leaders. I mean, think about this. 1.16 million soldiers just in Jerusalem. Just in Jerusalem. And not only that, you know what, what will bless a leader, will bless a pastor, will bless kings, will bless governors? You want to know what blesses them? When they have men 
who are with them. Men who are, like it says right here in verse 13, mighty men of valor. That word, it speaks about men of heroic courage. When a leader has men who are with him like that, then that leader is blessed. And that's who Jehoshaphat was. All of this actually reminds me of John Wesley. When John Wesley was, uh, was, was serving, he actually did the same thing in that he sent out circuit teachers throughout the, the entire nation. And, and this is what he said about the guys that he had because he knew how important it was to have men. He said, he said give me 100 men who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And we will shake the gates of hell and bring in the kingdom in our generation. You know, that's all we need. Just men who love the Lord. That's what Jehoshaphat was so blessed to have. And I have to say, I I feel that way in many ways too. You know, mighty men of valor, guys, many of you are mighty women of valor. And so, you know, we look at this and we're like, man, he did so well and, and, and he's perfect. But, you know what, then we see his Achilles tendon. Look at chapter 18. It says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance. And here it is. By marriage, he allied himself with Ahab. Hold on a second. Time out. Did I just read that correctly? I mean, one of the best kings who loved the Lord, he married him. He kind of married and, and allied himself with Ahab, the worst king of Israel. And you know why he was so bad, right? Because of his wife. She, Jezebel? You guys know about Jezebel? Man, you guys, be careful of those Jezebels out there. Some of you young guys, I'm like, man, he's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. Watch out for the Jezebels, man. This guy right here, he married Jezebel. She messed him up. They both went into sin. You know, prior to that, when you look at Israel, uh, they had the calves, but even the calves, they said, and I know it sounds weird, they said it was the Lord. It's weird. This is the Lord, the cows. Okay, that's weird. But what happened with Ahab is he said, I don't even want the Lord. I want nothing to do with the Lord. We're going to serve the Baals, right? You can say, as if the calves was a trivial thing, we're going to serve the Baals. And so, through marriage, he aligned himself with Ahab. And so, real quick, let me just give you a real quick warning. Be careful who you align yourself with. Be careful. Make sure that you're, you know, not unequally yoked. Um, the Bible talks about that in Second Corinthians chapter six, verses fourteen through eighteen. And that could be a, a you know boyfriend girlfriend relationship. It could be a, a maybe even a business venture that you uh, kind of establish and the person that you're partnering up with is not a Christian. It could be someone who you would consider to be your best friend. Let me ask you a question. Is your best friend a Christian? Will they give you godly counsel? Uh, again, when we were in Cambodia, uh, every time we go, I think we see the pictures of the, of the, the cows that are yoked. And um, I wanted to show you guys a picture. I think we even have a, a little uh, video of it. Of these, uh, uh, do we have that? Yeah. Can you guys see the the way that the two uh, 
what are they bulls or cows i don't know they're they're the same size right they're 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 equal see when your marriage and your friendship and your businesses you need to be christians both of you and and really that's the most important thing Because you guys are going to carry this load together. Okay? When you get unequally yoked, you're going to get messed up. And it's funny because I can tell that to people over and over and over again. But it's so crazy how many people, they just won't listen. You know? Because the girl sees the guy and he's buff. Right? And they're like, man, check out his car. And he has his own house. And he has a steady job. And... You know, or the guy sees the gal and she's a 10. Whatever a 10 is, you know, to you, she's like your Bathsheba. She's everything you ever thought. And then she comes in and, and she sweeps you away. You know, and the Bible says, man, there's no fellowship there. There's no communion there. And you're going to mess yourself up. This is what happened with Ahab here. And notice what happens. God is so gracious, but it says in verse 2, After some years, he, speaking of Jehoshaphat, he went down to visit Ahab in Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen in abundance for him, and the people who were with him and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth Gilead. Now, now, real quick, let me just say this. I believe as Christians, there are some people you shouldn't be talking to. You know, you got to be wise. I, I sometimes I, I wonder why are they why are they talking to that person? You know they probably shouldn't be. There's no discernment. There's like no wisdom. Uh, he shouldn't even have been talking to this guy um, because what ends up happening is you know next thing you know um, they're hanging out together. Next thing you know there's a relationship that's established kind of around them, mutual friends or whatever. Next thing you know. You know, they're taking you out to dinner. Next thing you know, you almost feel like you owe them. And next thing you know, you're a goner. In one sense, that's what happened to Ahab. I mean, the guy, he's here with Jehoshaphat, and Ahab is, you know, throwing him a, a party. He takes him to the best restaurant or whatever. And then he says in verse 3, Ahab, king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, will you go with me against Ramoth Gilead? And he answered, Jehoshaphat said, I am as you are, and my people as your people. We will be with you in the war. Now, just in case you're wondering, Second Chronicles 17, there's no equivalent in First Kings. You don't see it there. But Second Chronicles 18, you can cross-reference it with First Kings chapter 22. And you read pretty much the whole story there, Right? And, and what you find is that it gives you more details in chapter 22 of 1 Kings. And it says that really the war was against Syria. Ramoth Gilead, if you were to look at a map, it was on the east side of the Jordan. It was up, some say in the tribe of Manasseh or Gad. It was right there. But it was in the northern area. And it was a pivotal city. It was a really important city that would actually go back and forth between Syria and Israel over the years. And so he says, hey, this belongs to us. And it does. And so he says, will you fight with us? Uh, will you, um, you know, be my, my, my partner? And, and Jehoshaphat, he didn't really pray about it. He just said, sure, emotional commitment. And he says, hey, I'm yours. My people are yours. 
And there's, I think that sometimes Christians find themselves in, in relationships that they shouldn't be you know, with, in, in conversations that they shouldn't have. And what ends up happening is they have a divided heart. And my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you, you know, when to cut things off. Because I've seen it. People who really aren't on that same page. The Lord will show you. But right here, Ahab is there. Hey, we're together. Jehoshaphat says, hey, we're together. In verse 4, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire for the word of the Lord today. Now, here's a problem. He should have done that before he made the commitment. Huh? You know, I mean, before you say, before you sign for the new car, you should probably pray about it, right? Before you make that commitment in the relationship, hey, will you marry me? You know, you should probably pray about it. You don't pray about it afterwards. I mean, it's cool that Jehoshaphat wants to inquire of the Lord, but he, he does it a little late. Anyways, verse 5 says, And the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, 400 men, and said to them, Shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And so they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. And so they used the generic name for God, generic. But Jehoshaphat said, wait a minute, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him, right? So Jehoshaphat, he knows the difference, right? And so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him <laughs> because he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil, he is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say such things. And so the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, uh, Bring Micaiah, the son of Imla, quickly. And so what's going on? There's 400 prophets who are saying, Hey, go, you got the victory. You guys are good. But Jehoshaphat says, Wait a minute. I really want to make sure we hear from the living God, the Lord. Isn't there any prophets here left? And they're like, There's one, but I hate him. <laughs> right because he always prophesies bad and then some people like that it's kind of like that they're like i hate you know that pastor man because he just makes me feel so uncomfortable when i listen to him and the reason is it's because he calls sin sin and the reason is it's because he shares the truth the reason is is because he talks about hell and there because there is a hell that god doesn't want you to go to but it's so sad how some people they don't like that they want the ones that will tell them what they want to hear, what makes them feel comfortable, what they want, not necessarily what they need. So you've got 400 prophets that are saying, hey, it's good, you guys got the victory, but they're going to double check right here. It says in verse 8, then the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlah, quickly. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, clothed in their robes, sat each on his throne, and they sat at a threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophesies the prophets prophesied before them. Now Zedekiah, the son of uh, Chana'ana, had made horns. You guys know horns are, are supposedly symbolic for power, right? And, and iron and for himself. And he said, thus says the Lord. Okay, now he's using the Lord's name, right? With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hands. And so these guys had visual illustrations. Um, some were saying that it was really emotional, it was really passionate. 
it, it was kind of like this great presentation, but what was the problem? It wasn't true. It, it, it wasn't true. And you guys remember, that's all that matters. Whether or not they're sharing the truth. Not whether or not they share it fancy or clever with visual illustrations or you know, passion or emotional capacities. No. The, the most important thing is, is it true? These guys were false prophets. And there's a lot of them out there today. Many false prophets, Jesus said, who come in my name. And the Lord says, I didn't send them. This is what happened here. And so the messenger in verse 12, who had gone to call Micaiah, he spoke to him. He said, now listen, the words of the prophets with one accord encourage the king. Therefore, please let your word be like the word of one of them and speak encouragement. You know, and that's a temptation, huh? Well, 400, that's pretty popular. You know, and where the, where the preacher or the teacher or the Christian wants to share that word that's easy to hear, that's an agreement for everyone, it's the word of men. But you guys, we're not called to share the word of men. We're called to share the word of God. That's why it's important that you open up your Bibles. If you go to a church and they don't have their Bibles open and they're not just teaching you the Bible then something's wrong. Sometimes you go to a church and they do open the Bible, but they don't preach it. They go and they talk about everything else. No, we don't preach the word of men. We preach the word of God in context. And so, it says in verse 13, Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, whatever my God says, that I will speak. Now that's cool, huh? You should underline that if you're a teacher. Memorize it. I'm going to test you next week. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And he said, go and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. Now most people say he kind of said it in a mocking way, right? The king knew he was messing with him. So the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And then he said this, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Hoshaphat, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? It's kind of crazy, because earlier he said, I hate him, because he always says bad things about me. Well, this is about as bad as it gets, huh? He said, You're done. You've been king for 22 years. You've been doing evil in Israel leading them astray for far too long. Now you're going to die. Right? That's what he's basically saying. And so we read in verse 18, Then Micaiah said, Therefore the word of the Lord, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab, king of Israel, to go up that he may fall at Ramath-Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. 
Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now, I thank God that, that probably most of you here are Christians, except for a couple. I see. No, I'm just joking. You know, I thank God that you guys are, are covered by the grace, that you have given your life to Christ, that you acknowledge the fact that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You know Jesus died for you. And you trust him. But if you don't, if you have not humbled yourself to give yourself completely to the Lord, man, you are fighting against God. You're fighting against God. You know, this is where Ahab was, and and God was patient with him for 22 years. You know who God sent to Ahab? You guys know who God sent to Ahab? Elijah. Elijah, and man, I don't know if there's any more awesome prophet than Elijah. That's how much God reached out to Ahab and, and others that he sent to Ahab. But he just hardened his heart. He hardened his heart like the Pharaoh. So you guys know God's a holy God. If someone hardens their heart, hardens their heart, the day may come where God will harden their heart. You know, the Bible says in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that if they keep rejecting, keep rejecting, keep rejecting, then God will send them a strong delusion. And if in this case where God wants to judge evil and he finds Ahab in this situation, God, he's not the author of evil, but he allows evil and God allows a lying spirit, this is a demon, to go and to lie to Ahab in order that he would die. Because he knew Ahab would believe. You know, this is really fascinating to me. Uh, some say it's just a vision and there's no substance to it. It's kind of like giving a generic message. But I, I think this is real. You guys know that the angels and the demons report to God? You guys know that? Because that's what the Bible says in the book of Job chapter 1. Now it's interesting right here. Look at verse 18 and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and his left. So it it, it kind of teaches us, and I, I, we can't be dogmatic about it, but more than likely there's those great assemblies. It's a trip, huh, when you think about it. And on the right hand are the angels, and on the left hand are the demons. Now it's interesting here, the word in the Hebrew for lying spirit is literally the spirit that is well-known. And the spirit that is well-known, teachers tell us, is Satan himself. So it's Satan himself who God allows to go forth and to lie to Ahab. Now, all along the way, I think God is still trying to reach Ahab. I don't think it's fate. I don't think it's over. God would still give him a choice. But unfortunately... Ahab, he just, you know, he just keeps going. Look what happens in verse 23. Then Zedekiah, the son of uh, Cha'ana, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek. And he said, which way did the Spirit from the Lord go for me to speak to you? That's what people usually do when they don't have an argument. They just get violent, okay? And Micaiah said, indeed, you shall see on that day when you go into the inner chamber to hide And then the king of Israel said, Take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison and feed him with bread of affliction and water of affliction, 
until I return in peace. But Micaiah said, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, Take heed, all you people. All you people, right? And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, they went up to Ramoth-Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. And so the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went into battle. This is weird, huh? I mean, just weird to me. Ahab is just so like straight out. The prophecy is that he's going to die, the king's going to die, but he's not going to dress as a king, so maybe they won't come and target him. Instead, they're going to target Jehoshaphat. It's just crazy that Jehoshaphat would agree to this, but this is what friends are for, right? (laughs) And so the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots who were with him, saying, Fight with no one small or great, but only with the king of Israel. And so it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat that they said, It is the king of Israel. And therefore they surrounded him to attack. But notice what happens. Jehoshaphat cried out. And the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. You see, that's grace, huh? Maybe some of you here tonight, you're like in that spot where you need to cry out. And I'm telling you this, if you cry out to God, he'll show you grace, and he will pull you out, and he will deliver you. That's why you're here tonight. You know, a lot of you here, you're doing good, you don't need to cry out. But be patient for just a second. There are some here who need to cry out. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. And he's here for you. And you can talk to all these people right here and they'll tell you about the day they cried out to Jesus. And when you cried out to Jesus, was he there for you? He was there for you. If there's one person here who needs to cry out, I pray that tonight would be the night that you cry out. You might be surrounded. It might not look good. And you don't even know what's going on. The enemy's trying to take you down. Right here it says that he cried out and God helped him and diverted them from him. That's what happened to Jehoshaphat. For so it was when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel that they turned back from pursuing him. And this is so cool. Verse 33, Now a certain man he drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot facing the Syrians until evening, and about the time of sunset, he died. Is God's word true? God said to the prophets, through the prophets, man, that the leader's going to die. The people are going to go home. They're going to be like sheep without a shepherd, right? But Ahab went into the battle anyways, right? And it's just a trip. You know, you just can picture some guy. He he picks up an arrow. Who knows? Maybe he's drunk and he just goes like this. He shoots the arrow and it just, it's like one of those guided missiles that we have nowadays, you know? It just finds its way into the, into the, the, the spot in the armor and Ahab, he gets struck. Now the funny thing is, you know what they do? They, they take him and they prop him up in the chariot. You want to know why they propped him up in the chariot? So that, as he's there propped up in his chariot, 
all his soldiers would continue to fight. But the thing is this. They were already defeated. He was dying. And that's kind of the way it is with the devil. I mean, the devil, he's got a death blow. But he's still kind of propped up in his chariot. And, and some people, man, they're still fighting for him. They're still on his team. But let me tell you something. He's already lost the war. That's why it's so important to come to Jesus. Right? Because in Jesus, there's victory. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Your grace, your love in our life, Lord. I, I, I want to learn from the, the good example of Jehoshaphat. And I also want to learn uh, from the mistake that he made. Even though he's covered and, and he's such an awesome man, Lord, we're all so vulnerable. Thank you for that forgiveness that you give to us, Lord. And I pray that we would not fall into that trap of being unequally yoked or aligned with the enemy in any way. Uh, your word says, First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty three: do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And so, Father, I pray you do a great work in our hearts. Thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, again, if there is anyone here tonight who doesn't know you, who's not a Christian, by your spirit, do that miracle, Lord. Breathe life into them tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.